I advise join the company back in 2014 after they pivoted from being just a live chat software to more focused on what the responses look like. In fact, they've gone so far to add another layer of kind of a marketplace layer on top, helping companies that use them really make sure they're always responding to these inbound customer requests that are happening, again, via these website conversations. Obviously, they price around that metric as well. Today, they've got about an 18-month payback period as they expand in the U.S. They've got a team of 250 worldwide, again, 10 in the U.S. Uh, They've got about 1,500 customers, uh, about, again, hoping to break 12, 13 million bucks ish, something like that in ARR here shortly as they look to target 40% year over year growth and hopefully 50 million bucks in ARR by the end of 2020. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Nicholas DeRozan. He is the CEO of a company called iAdvise, uh, specifically in North America. He's got a lifelong experience in the, in the technology industry. Before iAdvise, he launched and developed two businesses in the real estate and online retail spaces. One of them, Cintio, became a major player in the industry. He also has experience as a venture capital investor. By training, he's an energy and telecommunications engineer and holds an MBA from INSEAD. Okay, Nicholas, are you ready to take us to the top? All right. All right. Well, first off, congrats on on leaving the dark side, the VC world, and joining the operating side. You, you get way more cool points in my book for that. Walk me through the company. What do you do, and how do you make money? Uh, all right. iVise is a conversational experience platform. Uh, we help e-commerce brands build conversational strategies to connect with their online shoppers and remove the friction along the customer journey. We make money uh, quite. Being very straightforward, we are a SaaS company, monthly license based on the number of conversations that brands are having through our platform. Interesting. Okay. Uh, number of conversations. Is this, uh, this is, uh, so if someone uses you, it's conversational marketing, they chat with a million customers, especially during like the Black Friday period where there's a lot going on. You're basically charging per conversation with each individual potential customer. Absolutely. And there are many different conversations, right? There's, of course, conversation with live chat. It can happen through Facebook Messenger, SMS, click to call, click to video, many different possibilities. You could be engaging with a chatbot, an in-house agent, and on-demand experts. Uh, it's essentially a toolbox so that each brand can build its own conversational strategy. Mm-hmm. But whatever uh, the feature they use, a conversation stays a conversation, and this is what they pay for. I see. And give me a general sense here of what kinds of customers you know your average customer looks like. In other words, are they paying you know ten bucks a month, a million a month, a grand a month? What's kind of the average customer pay per month? Would you say or per year? Yeah, sure. Um, I think there's essentially two answers to this. First of all, uh, iAdvise is initially a European company. So we are a European leader in uh, back there. And we opened the U.S. office uh, last year after raising $38 million in a series fee uh, round. So the big focus now is in the U.S. The answer to your question is different depending on if we are in Europe or in the U.S., in Europe, like all companies, uh, all startups, you start off with a lot of customers that don't pay much. And then as you go, you try to target bigger and bigger customers, right? Um, so there is a bunch of customers that we, we signed up in the first years of the company. They are not paying much, typically $100, $200 per month. But now uh, in the US, we are targeting companies that are paying between 50K and 1 million per year. So let me so, ask you. Let me ask you yeah. a different question, Nicholas. This is interesting. Uh, if you look at the, your total revenue the past twelve months, what percent was Europe versus US? Um, let's say that US uh, this year. So this is the first year officially in the US. We are uh, targeting a uh, million dollars of new booking. Mm-hmm. So we are now. You know, when you enter a new market, the focus is more how much you sign 
rather than the revenue. And I'd say that this represents probably uh, something around of the new booking around 10%. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, so even uh, though you're charging way, way more than your European counterparts, it's, they must have a huge volume of, uh, of customers then. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we yeah. have around 1,500 customers. So definitely a lot of customers. I see. I see. Got it. So 1,500 customers. And I want to make sure I understand what you just said. You're targeting, you know, for ending here 2018, basically a million bucks in new bookings. And that represents only one-tenth of a total kind of 10 million in new bookings that the whole company will bring in. That's correct. I see. Interesting. Now, you mentioned the big round of funding. You also mentioned you were past VC. Did you come in at, you know, with that round of funding? You were like an EIR out of VC and then you joined? Uh, myself? Yeah. Uh, no, I've been actually. For, I'm a you could. I'm a late stage founder. Okay. I joined the company something like three years ago when the company was completely pivoting. Right. Okay. We started off with a very basic live chat solution, and then we adapted, and we are now pivoted on uh, the, the 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 core feature of what we sell. What has been driving our growth uh, over the last two years is an on-demand community of experts. So it's a sort of Uber-like solution, but in customer experience. It means that when you go on an e-commerce website and you have questions, you I'm sure you're familiar with the typical live chat experience. Um, what makes us special today is that you will not be engaging with an in-house agent. You will not be engaging with a bot. You'll be engaging with someone that has been sourced and, I advise, and identified by iAdvise as being highly passionate and knowledgeable about the product the brand is selling. So that person is on a smartphone and just sharing advice and gets a percentage of the sales that he gets, that he generated through his advice. Interesting. So, but just to be clear, you're not employing a marketplace model where you're basically connecting freelancers with conversational jobs and taking a cut in between. You're pure SaaS. For that specific feature, uh, yes, it is a marketplace. We are a software editor and we are connecting some on-demand experts with brands or more specifically with the brand's online shoppers. So we make the connection and we take a percentage of uh, whatever those uh, experts are uh, generating. I see. Are you generally moving more towards the marketplace percentage model or is SaaS t- still dominant and you, you keep doubling down there? No, it's clearly SaaS dominant. Um, let's take a step back to understand why we came up with that, uh, with that feature. As a brand, when you want to set up a successful conversational strategy, you have two problems you need to solve. The first one is the technology, right? What engagement technology are you going to use to engage with your online shoppers? Plenty of vendors uh, out there, fine. Second problem, which is a real bottleneck of the market, is the resource, right? It's who on behalf of the brand will engage with the online shoppers. And when two or three years ago, when we analyzed data from our around 1,000 customers, we noticed that around 70% of the engagement opportunities were missed by brands. I mean, it's people on websites that have questions that are frustrated and brands are not doing anything to engage with them by lack of resource because they're not available 24-7 because they don't have the, 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 the workforce to engage with them. So this is when we developed that feature I've mentioned, the community of on-demand experts. But this is just a way of generating more conversations for our core platform, which is about, uh, which is a, a technology to, 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 to provide uh, conversations. So that's uh, the core of our revenue is still being generated by the, um, by the SaaS model. Yeah, the, the marketplace is almost like a growth channel for you. It's helping just add additional value onto what you already have. 
Absolutely. Just a way of generating more conversations. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the company was, you said the pivot happened three years ago. So 2014, 2015. When was the company founded though before that? 2010. 2010. Okay. Wow. So they kind of kind of wobbled around for a little bit there for a couple of years and then pivoted away from that. And it, you started, you said a startup has just a live chat software. Uh, initially, it started with a live chat software, uh, but as you can imagine, we had to go beyond being just live chat software because today, if you are just live chat software, you have no chance of uh, surviving. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, there's a couple, build- by the way, Nicholas, there's a couple kind of, you know, Olark, right? Some of these folks are, you know, they just came on the show doing about 25, 30 million bucks in AR, but they're getting kind of killed by these newcomers like Drift and Intercom mm-hmm. and HubSpot's new mm-hmm. tool. Absolutely. Um, and by the way, yeah, you've mentioned Intercom, you ma- mentioned Drift. What makes these guys special is the respondent. Again, having an engagement technology, plenty of technologies out there, typically Olark, but the bottleneck, again, is the respondent, is who will engage with those online shoppers. And the answer to that problem for Drift and Intercom are bots. So bots are providing the content to those frustrated um, uh, online visitors. How much capital has the company raised to date? You mentioned your last turn was 38 million. Was that all the capital? No, total of 60 million. 60, okay, total. And how much of that came pre-pivot? Um, the amount, the pivot uh, started on the Series B round. Series okay. B, it was around $18 million. Yep. And what convinced the investors to invest was the pivot. So this is uh, when we started the pivot. And then the last uh, round of 38 million was to accelerate the pivots and do a specific focus on the US. US market being definitely a very attractive market. And what's the team size today? Total European and US? 250 employees. 250, how many are US kind of under you? Um, Strictly in the US, we are 10. Okay, mainly sales. Uh, Absolutely. It's definitely customer oriented. So it's marketing, sales and customer success. Customer success is a big part of the uh, advice culture. Yep. Yep. No, of course. And then walk me through kind of growth targets. So so over the past, you know, going back a year ago to we're about to end 2018, what do you guys hope to grow by year over year? Um, the typical, yeah, the growth that we've been having so far on average is around 40% per year. Um, and the objective is to be at around 50 million of ARR by end of uh, 2020. Okay, five zero. That's five zero. Yes. Yeah. And where are you generally? Where are you at today? Okay. Without going too much into the details, because some of that information uh, we do keep it confidential, but we are in between 10 and 20. Okay. Yeah. I mean, by, by the way, what I was doing was basically going, okay, they've got 10 million as kind of the bookings target. If that represents 40% year over year growth, that means they must be doing something like 11 or 12 or 13 million currently, which checks out with what you just told me. So healthy growth targets. Um, how much of that growth are they expect? Are they putting on your shoulders? They're going, Nicholas, you've got <laughs> you're, you at the US and your high ACV is going to drive most of this growth. Go get it. Uh, yeah, definitely the US is uh, the most strategic market for the company. <laughs> uh, yeah, in that 50 million I shared, I uh, numbers would be about 30% yeah. uh, would be coming from the US. And, and so 
just looking at your U.S. contracts, and you said some of them are, you know, a hundred thousand, some are a million. Let's just assume like an average contract year one of I'm going to make this up fifty grand, or actually let's say ten grand to make it easy. I just want to get in your head real quick. How aggressive are you willing to be on CAC? Will you spend the full first year ACV to get the customer, or are you being even more aggressive than that? Uh, so we are definitely in a uh, growth dynamic. Um, strong growth and add to this the fact that we're going into a new market we are definitely very aggressive on uh, the CAC right um, the CAC that we have in the US is definitely way higher than the CAC that we have in our uh, home markets are you talking though and on the actual hard number or the, the actual the payback period is also longer um, so ask your question again. So, so payback period is a ratio between ACV, right? And, and how much you spend CAC is a hardcore number. We spend a thousand bucks to get a new customer typically. Okay. Uh, both. So yeah, definitely both. They're both longer. Okay. So what payback period right now are you operating at about? Uh, in the U S again, it's a lot of still based on certain assumptions, but we are looking at, uh, a year and a half okay. to get uh, to get back the uh, the investment. That, by the way, that's not horrible. I mean, I, I've seen people pushing twenty four months, so that that doesn't surprise me that much. Um, so eighteen bucks, just to put that in a, in a different kind of different light, that means to get a new dollar of ARR, you're willing to spend about a dollar forty, a dollar fifty, something like that. That's correct. And where, besides salaries and commissions, where is most that? Where are most of those dollars going for acquisition? Uh, there is, uh, of course, the marketing. Uh, marketing, we do try to focus a lot on all of those in-person meetings. Again, the challenge of being a newcomer in the U.S., and that's the case also for all startups, is that it's such a competitive market that the biggest challenge is actually to start a conversation with the people who are uh, relevant with your prospects. Uh, when you manage to have an in-person meeting, whether it's at a trade show, a conference, or whatever, it does make a difference. You're able to, to establish a stronger relationship. Another big piece of the investments are everything we are doing with Gartner and Forrester. Again, working with them to help them uh, to help us educate and build the market that uh, that we are leading. Yep. Yep. Interesting. And then churn, last economics question before we wrap up: Churn's critical in a SaaS company. Um, let's just talk U.S. market for a second. What's churn look like today, and how do you keep it low? Uh, so, because we've been here only for a year, we are still in the process of onboarding the first customers. Churn is, uh, that's a bit tricky. I could say that the plan is to be around 10% of, uh, that's 10% of churn, uh, of yearly churn. Revenue or logo count? Uh, that is of revenue. Okay, 10% revenue churn. And do you have strong, I mean, again, you're all, you're still pushing your, your 12 months, do you have strong levers to drive expansion or is it really just the one utility value, which is number of conversations? Oh, no, no. It's definitely the strategy is definitely to get a foot into the door of our customers, typically start of a pilot, demonstrate the value that we are able to bring. We are confident on that value. And then there are many ways of doing some upsell. But most of the revenue is actually coming from the upsell that we can get after the, um, after the pilot is validated. And, and what percent increase in that contract value typically happens in that step from pilot, you know, validation to the upsell. Are we talking 130% expansion, 160? Um, I'm thinking of a few big, uh, pure players that we have in Europe. When I compare the revenue generated during the pilot and what came after, uh, I think in some customers we were able to multiply by 10 
the revenue oh, wow. generated uh, with, uh, with them. That's great. So, yeah. The, the reason I'm asking, I'm trying to get into what net revenue retention is annually. So if you're churning 10%, you add back expansion. I assume you guys are over 100%. How far over 100% are you? Um, how far over 100% of, of what KPI? Net revenue retention. Uh, again, in the U.S., uh, it's still Too many early. assumptions. Uh, maybe uh, we'll uh, can have that conversation again in a year. And look, look, look always, always to, selling. Uh, well, of course, we'll have you back yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. So too early. Do you have a target though for that, or no? That it's not something you're looking at right now. Uh, honestly, right now, um, I think part of the strategy is to be super focused. Uh, I'm really focused on getting those first deals coming in, on making those customers super happy to have some good customer stories that can communicate to the rest of the market. Uh, so yeah, it's really one step at a time. Sure, the number is somewhere in the business plan, but that's uh, uh, something that's uh, for uh, later on down the road. That's right. And then I assume because of how much you guys have raised, you guys are not cash flow positive yet, correct? You're investing aggressively? That's correct. Yeah, very good. All right, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, crossing the Chasm. Jeffrey Moore, that's a good one. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, the CEO that inspired me the most is Richard Branson. I think that he's uh, the one that caused me to catch the entrepreneurial virus. That's good. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building the company, especially as you expand in the U.S.? It's actually uh, one of our U.S. neighbors, uh, HubSpot. Yep. Good one. Number uh, four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, it's probably around seven to six. Okay. And uh, what's your situation? Actually, I saw a ring, so I think married. Any kiddos? Yes, absolutely. It's <laughs> a ring. Uh, two kids, four and seven. Oh, wow. You're busy. How old are you? Yes, uh, I'm 35. 35. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? What is what? What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Um... I, uh, I like surprises, so um, I'm uh, happy that my 20-year-old uh, self didn't know anything, uh, everything about life and that he still had a lot to, uh, to discover. Guys, embrace those surprises. Again, I advise join the company back in 2014 after they pivoted from being just a live chat software to more focused on what the responses look like. In fact, they've gone so far to add another layer of, of kind of a marketplace layer on top, helping companies that use them really make sure they're always responding to these inbound customer requests that are happening, again, via these website conversations. Obviously, they price around that metric as well. Today, they've got about an 18-month payback period as they expand in the US. They've got a team of 250 worldwide, again, 10 in the US. Uh, they've got about 1,500 customers, uh, about, again, and hoping to break 12, 13 million bucks ish, something like that in ARR here shortly as they look to target 40% year over year growth and hopefully 50 million bucks in ARR by the end of 2020. All right, Nicholas, thank you so much for taking us to the top. All right, Nathan, it was a pleasure to talk to you.